0: There's a balance, and I think there's more things you can do than just put farmers out of business than to protect the salmon because without the farmers, there's going to be houses, and
1: that's not protecting the salmon either. This
0: is the Real Food, Real People podcast.
1: I don't think I've ever been to a more idyllic farm setting than Jack Maloney's farm in southwest Washington. He's 22 years old, fourth-generation family farmer with a small organic dairy And it will surprise you why his family chose to go organic so many years ago and why they continue to be an organic farm to this day. I'm Dylan Honkoop. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast traveling all over Washington State to get to know the real people behind our food. Today, we go to Curtis, Washington. And again, talk with Jack Maloney. You're only 20 miles from I-5. Correct. Right? Yep. But a lot of people don't even realize this is all here. Nope. I mean, this is...
0: We're a yeah. hidden gem. This is what it is, a hidden gem. People love it out here. People come, they visit, but nobody really knows it's here. And this is called Curtis? Curtis, Washington. There's all. It's also called Boyceford, and it's called Kleber. Okay. So there's the Kleber Hopfields was a guy who died on the Titanic, and the University of Washington was going to be here, if he wouldn't have died, wow. it was the one of two spots for it.
1: That's crazy. So we're here not far from like Shehelis, if people know where that is. What do you farm? You have animals. You got we dairy got a, and a beef. Day Sixty cow uh, dairy with the robotic milker. Hmm.
0: So we don't milk any cows by hand, but we have a dairy farm, and then we do a little beef, and we grow all our own hay. Nice. So it's busy all the time then. All the time, three hundred sixty-five days a year. The cows always need fed. And it's an organic dairy, right? Yes. We've been organic for 22 years now. Wow. Kind of
1: organic even before it was as big of a thing as it is now.
0: Pretty much. It was, we were at the very start, right, when it was kind of launching. People didn't like it. Before it was my trendy word, really, I guess. Yeah. And then I never met my great grandpa, but he was organic before it was even that because fertilizers cost so much. It was more natural stuff why it was cheaper and easier then
1: yeah it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a trend word. it's just how you did it to save money really right and now why do you guys do that i mean what what's kind of the philosophy behind your farm and why you farm uh, the way you do
0: for me it's the it's how we've always done it i like it i'm not opposed to conventional in any way like mm-hmm. it's fine but it fits if it's our style, we can't be a conventional farm and we wouldn't be profitable. It wouldn't work with such Mm. a small number. Like you, there's no conventional guys who milk 60 cows anymore. They're all three, 400. Yeah. I mean, 10,000, 12,000
1: cow dairies now. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I'm amazed by that. I, I love it that you guys only milk 60 head again, nothing that I don't have anything against the bigger farms, but Farms of that size—that—that that was the size of farms oh, that, that was both everybody my gra- that back My grandpa's then. had. Yeah, you never hear a story of anybody who had more yeah. than two hundred cows back. Oh, those were forty huge. years yeah. ago.
0: And now there's thirty-three thousand dairies, to three hundred miles away from us. Yeah, and yeah, that's not scalable here. But so, how do you guys make it work with with such a, a small dairy? Technology, definitely technology. The robot. We have the sort gate. That sorts the cows for us. But, I mean, the robot saves nine hours a day of labor.
1: Now, sorts the cows, explain that. How does that work? So,
0: when they go out to pasture, so we're pasture-based. That's another huge part of organic farming and dairies. You have to be um, on pasture 180 days of the year. So, when they're going out to pasture, say, at night with the robot, it milks 22 hours a day except for when it cleans. So, if they come in the barn, it'll just sort them back out. Like, it'll sort them out to the pasture or keep them in the barn so they have to stay and get milked. So it's less time for us fetching them and just handling them. So it, it knows them. basically by tracking. Yep, oh, just yep. by a little RFID tag. Same thing with an Apple AirPod, like tag. Fitbit. And Fitbit, all those yeah. things, all the yeah. technology is just in farming now. I mean, every almost every farm has that technology in a certain way. Right. We just use it to track our cows and how they go and where they go.
1: That's crazy because then you don't have to have a person doing that and the cows can kind of just move as they want. Exactly. They're they're calmer. They say they're calmer. They are calmer. I believe
0: they are. You're not spending an hour handling them. You're spending an hour baling hay or right. doing something, fixing something that's broken. That's the one thing I've noticed with the robot is when it's working great, you're doing so many other things that you're not getting behind. And that's kind of where like the older farmers... That's They were always so busy, they never got ahead. And I think that's why they kind of just fizzled out because you had to get employees and all that stuff. Right. And you couldn't get ahead with just two people. Now it's my dad and I and my brother when he's home and occasional help here and there, but it's mostly two people. Yeah. Three, probably 330 days of the year. Yeah. It's amazing. That's old school. Yeah. But it it. works because we have the technology. Without the technology, we'd be paying
1: two hired people probably. Right. At least. And- in the current job market, good luck finding anybody. Can't find anybody, yeah. no. Robots aren't cheap, though, either. Like, that's a huge investment. Huge right? investment. But it pencils out in the long
0: in run? In the long run, I mean, peace of mind, it pencils out right away. Yeah. You save eight eight hours a day from startup to wash down at the end, yeah. I mean, that's free time that you can do other things. You can leave. You can go to town. You can go to <laughs> dinner. People I mean, don't
1: understand these things. Dairying. No. Yeah, dairying, without that you couldn't do that, and for all time up until now, exactly. You're and that's stuck. why
0: people didn't want to do it. And then they don't yeah. want to do it if they're milking cows in a carousel for two hours. They're like, oh man, twice a day—that's four hours of just milking. Yeah, no young person really wants to do that, and I don't blame them. Yeah, because it's just not—it's repetitive, and repetitive things honestly are terrible. So, lo- how long have you been
1: milking your cows with a robot?
0: This is going to be the sixth year with the robots. And we got, like you said, long-term investment. It gets paid off in three or four more years, depending on everything. So eventually, once it's paid off and all the upgrades that came with it, new equipment, uh, it was a total transformation. So
1: when you did that... Was that hard at first? You kind of have to train the cows to know what's going on with the system, right? I'm young enough because I'm only
0: 22. So I was just in high school when we were putting it in because my grandpa just passed away. And then that was kind of the switch. Like they had talked about it. My grandma was still farming with us. And Mm. then my dad was like, we're going to do it because we're not going to have another way. So it was kind of do or die at that point. But we went from the forestall barn milking parlor to the robot and it was rough at first i remember a lot of roughness and then now we're here and it's worked so far
1: i understand that like you get the cows used to it at first they were like what is this machine what's going on i mean even
0: with the new heifer you got to train them and train them and train them and fetch them and the, some you, sometimes you have to put them on a halter and drag them in because they just <laughs> come on. Get they in don't here. aren't used to walking through something. But once they get used to it, they once love it. They have heard the grain in the robot, and they'll walk in circles all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's milk
1: again. Hey, yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Just to, I mean, you showed me that just before we started our chat here to watch it. Do yeah, its thing. just do I mean, its I've thing. seen lots of robots, and every single time I see one, I just kind of stop and. Well, wow, they're, all, they're all a little
0: different, too. There's yeah. three or four different
1: brands. There's They're all set up.
0: Ours is a flat parlor. Some are in a pit. They're all just a little different, and that's another thing about farming is everything's a little different, and if you find your groove, then you can do it for as long as you
1: want. So talk about the milk that you're producing then. Robots so, milking it, and you have all jerseys? Is uh, that we, we have heard? Holstein's jerseys and a new breed
0: we're using called Fleckvie. So mm. they're a dual-purpose cow. And that kind of takes into the beef side, which mm-hmm. I think is crucial for organic farmers because mm-hmm. you can't have a Jersey calf that's a steer. It's pretty much worthless. And for an mm-hmm. organic person like us, 60 cows, you get 65 calves a year. Yeah. If you get a calf that's worthless, you're just going to lose money. And that's So they're kind of a bridge between that. They're supposed to milk good, but they're really muscular. So they sell good too. Mm-hmm. They put pounds on. And they're supposed to be feed efficient. So how long have you been our raising that breed? Our first one is milking now. We have more, and then we're, it's our third
1: year. So do they milk good so far? The, or the, the first one is all right. It's a yeah. Jersey, like a Jersey.
0: So mm-hmm. not a ton of milk, but better components. Yeah, but it's like more milk fat. But it didn't stuff. lose any weight when it calved. It looked the same. It's got a big hind quarter. It's not all bony. It looks good. Unlike awesome. I don't like jerseys.
1: Jerseys are my least favorite breed. They're just skinny. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people love jerseys because they're so friendly.
0: Yeah, but they're skinny and they don't give as much milk. Mm, yeah. And for us, I need a cow that if I'm going to have to coal a cow, it needs to weigh a lot. So you get more on the, on the hoof.
1: Right. for The beef side of it. Yep.
0: So that's where the dual purpose and that's, I read a lot of articles and stuff and, Farming in the United States isn't like farming in Europe where they have a lot of dual-purpose
1: animals. It's all milk or all beef. It's not a combination of both. Makes sense. Um, Jerseys don't produce as much milk, but like you said, there's more components, a.k.a. the different nutritional factors, milk, fat, and and other things. And you get
0: paid more on those, but if you only have 60 cows, are you putting enough milk in the tank? Or you have only 120 cows, are you really putting enough milk in the tank to pay the bills? Yeah. And that's, that's up Even if debate. you're getting
1: paid a bit more for it yeah, because it's Jersey. you get your bonuses yeah.
0: and your butter fat and that, but you still have to put milk in the tank. The tank needs to be full. That's the yeah. goal at the end of the day. That's the goal for us. That's the goal for the conventional people is yeah. to put as much milk in the tank to make a profit.
1: Yeah. That's part of sustainability, I guess, That is right? part of sustainability. You exactly. got to pay the bills, You Lewis. do have to pay the
0: bills, <laughs> It's you can look in the fields, our fields are bright green right now, but if that's not sustainable if you're not making the money to pay everything else. And yeah. with inflation right now, paying the bills gets harder. And if you yeah. can't if your cows don't go up to make more milk, you're not like you're not getting paid as much more anymore. Your margins are just slipping away. Even if you made a little bit more with jerseys, now they're tighter, but your cows are Maxed out on production. Holstein, you can usually bump up with some more grain or something. Yeah, Just depends. So you feed your
1: cows some grain, and then some all the grain hay that you raise
0: and all haylage bales that we raise ourselves. We don't buy any hay; hmm. we just buy grain. We get about nine tons a month. So not.
1: Yeah. yeah, what percentage of the cows' diet roughly is grain versus grass?
0: On, on in the summer we average. 80% dry matter intake from forage. Mm. So over way over half is all forage from the fields around us and right. any hay we feed.
1: In the winter, it's all haylage bales and a little bit more grain just to balance it out. Yeah. So how does it—yeah, there's the whole crop side, which you guys just do grass. So you don't do corn? No or corn. Or other crops? Just no grass? No corn.
0: Just grass. We do a little sorghum, mm. but we do a lot of interseeding with um, turnips— Mm. all those crosses sorghum sudan triticale
1: what do you do do you do those for forage feet what for, about for grazing
0: strictly grazing so we'll do turnips and if we're doing let's say we do triticale in the fall we'll do turnips and sorghum in the summer to hit a second crop and then mm. go back to grass and then we'll take grass out do triticale stuff like that how Peas. does
1: that work with turnips do they just eat the tops they eat the. Well, we do like a,
0: They do both. It's interesting. Ah, so we. D- but before. we're doing a leaf turnip, so mm. there is no bulb. Mm. So it's like a rape turnip cross, mm. stuff like that. They're mostly hybridized. Yeah. But we can't do any GMO or
1: treated stuff. So it's all right. natural. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, what, what's the kind of perspective you guys have on sustainability then? Like, it's probably your manure that fertilizes the fields. Yep, we do all our own manure, and we do lime and
0: gypsum. And then we're always trying new things, new cover crops, no-till. Yeah, we Honestly, if we didn't plow a field till about five years ago, everything had been the same grass for the last 65, 70 years. Wow. And we've been adding new grasses and whatnot since
1: then. Do you mostly do no-till, or are you introducing more tillage now?
0: Um, well, so that's complicated. Around here, the best way I can describe it is we don't get enough cold days to do strictly no-till hmm. because the rain compacts the ground so much, and then the frost doesn't break it up. So Because I, I, I asked a dirt farmer down the road, why don't you no-till? And he said, well, it doesn't get cold enough. There's no frost heave. So the mm. frost lifts the ground up, and then it brings it back down. It breaks it up the soil. So when you no-till, you're not tilling, Right. and it's not breaking that all up. So you have to do a little bit of both around here because we get 100 inches of rain we
1: got last year, and we average about 80. You said a dirt farmer. What does that mean?
0: Oh, uh, dirt farmer, crops? crops, more of your commodity crops. They do yeah. they do malting barley, wheat. Mm. Uh, they used to do peas before the canneries left. It's a theme,
1: Every, all the canneries left yep. around here. Same for my dad. My yep. dad grew peas until the canneries left town. And then and now he switched to red raspberries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now there's, st-
0: yep. I mean, that was my childhood, was pea hay, hauling it in the yep. summer. And then he's doing his malting barley, grass, alfalfa, just a mix now, trying to find something that works.
1: Because you can't always do wheat. It's not, we're not dry land wheat farmers over here. Right. So, uh, that's a total cycle then for you guys. The manure fertilizes the crop. You harvest the crop, feed it to the animal, and it becomes manure again in the circle. Yep, exactly.
0: Continues. Or the cows put it back on the field as manure when they graze it off, and we don't have to turn on a tractor. And that's part of the efficiency part is... yeah. In the summer we're not we're running equipment, but we're not running silage trucks and stuff. We're running hay equipment that we're gonna use all winter. In the summer we don't feed barely any hay. So our costs go way
1: down for feed stuff. Can you probably can't graze the cattle in the winter though? Not because of not the, here. Because of how wet it because is. Because like of the s- moisture.
0: And we're in we're in like a flood plain area. So a lot of flooding every year happens around here. It's always flooded. Hmm. Back in 07, when we had the major floods around here, the barn had boot high water in it. Wow. Yeah. Scary. It was, I remember that. Yeah. It was dirt, flooded fields on every side of the road. It was incredible. that it be scary. Yeah. And
1: it'll happen again.
0: It'll, it'll happen again.
1: Real quickly, our sponsors for the podcast are uh, Mana Insurance Group, for one, um, they do my insurance. I think maybe they should take care of yours as well. They shop a lot of different providers and the company was founded by a high school classmate of mine, small town focus, um, even though they do stuff all over Washington and now in California as well as Arizona, um, but still keeping that small town mentality, trustworthy people not trying to upsell you, trying to make sure you're taken care of, you get the best deal possible, and your fam- your family's financial future is protected. MANAinsurancegroup.com, check them out. Also, Dairy Farmers of Washington, sharing stories like Jack's and so many others, as well as uh, information about what goes into the delicious dairy products produced here in Washington State, uh, their nutrition, their sustainability, so many great stories and so much to learn their website, wadairy.org. Uh, I gotta make sure I get that right. Wadairy.org. Check it out uh, online as well as on social media. They're on Facebook and Instagram and probably a bunch of other profiles that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Wadairy.org, Dairy Farmers of Washington. And a big thank you to them for sponsoring this podcast as well. Now back to Curtis Washington and our conversation with Jack Maloney. So, what what do you think people's take is on what you guys do? I, you know, I think some people think, "Oh, sixty cows—that's a big dairy." A As lot. we've been talking about, it, it's not not anymore. big dairy.
0: So it depends. Around here, there's a lot of people who know agriculture. It's more of an agriculture area. Yeah. You go to somewhere else, they're like, 60 cows!" I've only ever seen five. Right. And they're like, "Wow!" And I'm like, "It's not really that big. Like we're tiny." Yeah. But the people who I think the people who no farming and no like dairy sizes in that or say you say, say you I farm 60 cows and we've been doing it I'm the fourth generation we've been doing it four generations they're like oh that's kind of impressive like that's a little bit harder than people think yeah and yeah it's hard but there's definitely a way to do it and you can't you have to think like a conventional guy but you can't think like a conventional guy Like you got to have a mixture of every side to do 60 cows. You have to have the technology. You can't shoot for outrageous milk production, but you have to, it's all a balance. Right. What's the biggest challenge to keep that whole system going? The biggest challenge? Right now it's input costs that we don't control. We're vertically integrated for the most part, 90, 85, 90%, I'd say, except for grain and diesel and parts. And then, yeah, that's most of our budget, but those, those things are hard to control. Definitely grain costs. We've bumped our grain down this year. We are not. We don't shoot for high numbers to begin with, and we're still filling the tank, but it, all the costs just kill you. Yeah. So our goal is to just have a good reproductive system, and if the cows are always staying fresh and we're always bringing new cows in when we need them and our tanks, like we keep our production the same, That helps because our pay price is set all year long. So we Mm. know what we're going to get paid so we can plan. We're not like a conventional person where Mm. it's $22 a hundredweight right now, I'm pretty sure. And it could be 12 in two weeks if something crashed. Ours will never drop. And that helps us plan. So even with the bumps and stuff in price for grain and diesel, we can kind of plan for that. And we can say, oh, we're not going to upgrade this. We're just going to hold steady because it's still working fine. Right. And we'll just keep how we're doing. So we can we can plan other farms. That's why we can never be conventional because we have no guarantees of price or anything. Right. It can go up and down and up and down. And we'd, just, we'd be screwed if it went down to $12 a weight. So that's be- all because of how your co-op. How our organic. co-op is formed. Yes, we're um, organic valleys, our co-op. Yeah. And... They set their pay price through the whole year. We have a deduct in the summer, like the spring flush is what they call it, deduct. And then we go back up in the winter because some people are seasonal. Mm. And that's another way some organic people do it is they just go dry all winter when Mm. the grass isn't green. Right. Or it's frozen out or because they originated in Wisconsin, so it's 30 below in the winter. Right. You're not doing a lot of farming then. Yeah. The cows...
1: Grass is still almost sort of growing here through a lot of the last, winter, but you can't. No, last year it grew all winter yeah. long. But you probably couldn't put the cows out like no. we were talking about earlier because no, it's too we wet. No, we put them
0: out in February, actually. Yeah. We got really wow. ambitious. It was a dry for two weeks. We're like, the grass is like knee high. Let's put them yeah. out. And if they tear up the field, we're saving hay bales. Right. Because it was so dry last summer, we didn't make as much hay as we wanted. Right.
1: But that can ruin a field, right, if you oh, put cows out definitely. too well, definitely,
0: and that's where tillage also comes into play. No-till, you can plant almost anything. You can't plant alfalfa no-till, but you can plant almost everything else, but you can't smooth out a field. You can't get rid of bumps.
1: You can't get rid of dips. Well, it can damage the gra- the stand of grass too, right, where yeah, the production's
0: poor? Yeah, but that's also where you can just broadcast stuff over top. Add seed. And add seed, and it will come right back. You just can't get rid of the dips and the bumps and the yeah.
1: stuff like that. So do you have that some years where it's hard to get your full six months of of grazing in because it's too wet? Uh this year we definitely
0: got out later, but usually not. It's usually plenty dry enough, and then we'll just go this fall till it starts pouring rain. We we push it pretty hard. We like to graze and graze, but uh, I mean we're lucky we have irrigation too, and that's a big concern for people all over the state now. Is yeah how to get water and how to keep your water rights and all that. We're lucky that we have a good water right and it's top on the list so we Mm. can use it. And we have a lot of it that covers all our
1: acres. So does that go back to your great grandpa or before?
0: We have the second most senior right in the valley. Wow. So it's one of the best. The other one is the blueberry people down the road. Mm. And they bought that specifically for the water. Right. Because they know
1: they can't lose it. Yeah, because in, in Washington, it's all based on how old it is it, right? Yep. Like seniority. So yes. the older it is, the, the more, more... The later you get it turned off. Is so, that an issue here with people getting their water shut off?
0: Uh, over in Chehalis, it is. We don't have that issue. We're closer to the head of the stream, so we have a lot more in-stream flow.
1: Yeah, so what, what if people get shut off, what's that based on? Not enough water Not in enough the Not enough water river? in the river. How fast it's moving down the river, height, just depends. And how much irrigation in this part of the state comes out of the river or streams versus well, we wells and stuff?
0: The wells, we, there's no wells around here in this valley that are any good. They're all saltwater wells. Oh, really? Yep. So the ocean actually has like a little path underneath us. And we're a ways from the ocean. I mean, yeah, it's out we're there. We're like, like an hour and a half with our neighbor right over there, drilled the well, hit salt water.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah,
0: so there's a few shallow wells here and there, but it's all river water irrigated. There's no canals, no dams.
1: Yeah. It's all river water. How much um, does concern about salmon then play into how you farm, how you water, all that kind of stuff? So
0: we have fish screens on all of our pumps that we use so they can't get sucked up into the mm-hmm. pump. But definitely for the in-stream flow, Mm. that affects it a lot. But the fish screens definitely help. They protect the fish. They were part of the tribes, gave them to us Mm. as a protection, like grant. That was a grant thing they went
1: around and did to protect the fish. I think it's great. Collaboration then between the tribes and the farming community? Yeah,
0: and the um, conservation people.
1: Very cool. I know recently there was talk about requiring big buffers along all the streams. That was scary, what? scary, scary stuff. Why? I mean, isn't that about well, protecting the salmon?
0: Yeah, but we would everything on the roadside across from us right now would all have been trees. We would have lost almost every field on the right side of us. Mm. We would have had maybe a, two acres over there. And wow. then if they would have went to the ditches on the other side, we could have lost more and more. So we would have pretty much had nothing at that point. Right. Because we were at the 250-foot mark, and that's... Almost on the road, so that would have been... So
1: they wanted 250 feet of trees away from the stream. Off the top of the bank for, for our place. To each side? Yeah. So 500 feet, Pretty basically. much, yep. and there's the stream in the middle.
0: 20 acres across the river and like 15 up front here, and ha- almost half of that would have been all gone to trees.
1: What would have happened to your farm?
0: It would have been difficult i don't know if it would have put us out of business it probably would have put a big impact on what we were doing yeah and it definitely would have made things a lot harder because we really rely on the cross the that's all irrigated over there so we get Mm -hmm. all our summer production is out of those fields when everything starts drying up like it is right now
1: What were you guys doing at that time when that was proposed? You're probably sweating it a bit.
0: Uh, sweating it, definitely. I know Dad went and got talking with the legislators. He um, went on the Zoom call and gave his spiel about what, why this is a terrible idea. Being involved, making sure people know that this is not good, all that stuff. And that's oh. where that's where stuff like Farm Bureau and all that, they were on top of it right away because mm-hmm. up in Watcom County, they would have lost everything. Yeah. If that would have went through. Yeah. We lost, yeah. Tens of thousands of acres, something like 30,000 acres yeah, or Yeah, ridiculous more. amounts for not even beneficial impact is what yeah. they really said in the end.
1: Yeah. What do you say to people who say, well, I mean, if you got to do it to protect the salmon, you got to do it. Yeah, is but that- you got to
0: protect the people too. Like there's a yeah. balance. And I think there's more things you can do than just put farmers out of business than... Yeah. to protect the salmon cuz without the farmers there's going to be houses and yeah. that's not protecting the salmon either cuz i mean there's either farms or there's houses and Watcom County you can put houses <laughs> everywhere there's not going to be trees yeah. and people like that and they'll
1: pay a lot of money to yeah. move out of the city yeah. and money come. talks it does as much as you try to protect something if there's a lot of dollars on the line people will figure out how to and to that's do that. that's
0: where the salmon get all their help is they want to protect it so they put money into figuring out ways to do it the tribes have a right. lot
1: of money and all that this area this part of the state has been losing small farms and, and it's been kind of an area that has had traditionally a lot of just small farms not a lot of big farms out here but you guys in this area are losing a lot yeah we why lose... is that what's going on i
0: think it's there's a lot of different things it's a lot of People are getting older. A lot of, not a lot of people take over farms that are my age or in their 30s, and I think that's the main thing: is people don't want to farm because it's so hard, and because there's not the technology that they want, or their parents don't want to change for them, yeah. and nobody's grooming our my generation to take over farming at a small scale. You can groom a person to run a tractor on a feedlot or right. on a 10,000-cow dairy. You can't groom a person as easy to do the books and feed the cows and make sure the robot's working and It'll be a move the fence all on the trades. pasture yeah. and then go fix the tractor in the shop and then work on the pump if it breaks. you got to know how to do a little bit of everything so you can make it work. And then you call the people that you need for the big stuff. Like yeah. the engine blows up on the tractor, you you don't fix it yourself. You call somebody. Yeah. But I mean, you got to know how to fix the robot when it breaks at midnight when there's no <laughs> technicians. Yeah, and that's a lot harder to
1: groom than yeah. just driving the tractor and you send it to the shop when it's broken. Yeah, now I've heard you know from multiple families where it's like the next generation is coming up. It's t- time for them to potentially be taking over. And yeah, but people they got like a- my age and people like your age are saying. We don't want to take the risk. We don't want to do that much work. That's, we don't want to, yeah. it's it's totally an unsafe bet uh for my family. See, I don't want to do. But you it.
0: can show them it is a safe bet
1: and groom them into
0: Yeah. They got you got to start that though. You can't just say it's time for you to take over. You got to show them that you can make this profitable. Yeah. and that you can do that. And I've seen enough of that that I'm determined that yes, it can yeah. work.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask like You're making a different decision than a lot of farm kids do, like we are just talking about. Most farm kids these days are saying, no, I'm not going to continue on mom and dad's farm, grandpa and grandma's farm, but you are. I think, well, I grew up right here in this yard,
0: watching the cows get milked, sitting with my grandparents while they milked four cows at a time, helping them dip teats and whatnot, this and that. And then I kind of fed the calves and drove the tractor and did this and that and then... It evolved and then I went off to college and wasn't here as much, but yeah. still I, I was doing agriculture stuff. I got an AA in animal science and then I went into business and now I'm finishing my business degree. Mm. And now I've seen enough of other farms and stuff for like, I've brought this back and brought that. Yeah. And my dad always likes making changes and doing new things. So he's like, okay, let's try it. And yeah. most, most of it's worked and like it's helped and some stuff hasn't. But that's the thing is I've got the opportunity to, to do that. Most people come home from college and they hit a stone wall and they're like, and they're like, oh yeah, maybe we'll try that. And then you get discouraged because it's easy for me to get discouraged. If I got discouraged, I could go to town, get a job, get paid probably a lot more, all that stuff.
1: It'd be simple. That's the. But what's interesting is you're saying oftentimes the, the way people talk about it. Especially the older generation. It's all the younger generation's fault in some ways. Like, ah, oh, they just don't want to work that hard. They just don't have the value of that See, anymore. They want to continue on. But you're saying
0: really it's kind of shared. It's always shared. They don't want to work as hard, but the older generation doesn't want to buy a new tiny – you could buy a tiny new piece of equipment that makes their job yeah. twice as fast. To let them in and be willing to try new stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's not that you don't have to go spend a million dollars and build a new barn for them to be happy. You just got to do one or two things. Maybe the worst task that you do, I don't know, scraping the barn. You get a bigger scraper, you get a bigger tire on the back of your tractor. You, well,
1: it's just a mentality, right?
0: You got to, you got to be willing to change things. They don't want to come back and, or your barn's falling apart and they don't, they're like, fix the barn today. (laughs) No, nobody yeah. wants to come back and just fix the barn and shovel yeah. poop. Yeah. That's what. Then, they, then they're like, I don't really like this. Or they grew up doing it, and then they don't want to
1: keep doing it. Do you uh, know other farm kids like yourself who have been in that situation? There's a lot. I don't know anybody personally. I'm kind
0: of out on my own here. I don't see a lot of people. Yeah. But I'm I know there's a lot of people out there that are my age, a little older, a little younger, thinking, oh, this would be a good idea, suggesting this, and then they get shut down. And they're like, uh or they've watched it like watch the struggles and nobody's seen they haven't got to experience all the good stuff. And then they're like, I don't know if it's for me. Yeah. But you can't just get thrown into it and expect to love it. That's yeah. not how it not how it works. You gotta have the passion. You gotta build it. You gotta keep building it forever. Because once you get tired of it, once you get burnt out on it, you're just, I'm done, and that's the problem with people today is they get burnt out easier because everything is so stressful. Yeah. Why do you think
1: everything is so stressful? Why would that change? <sighs> I don't think tighter it's, margins more. Higher I don't expectations? think it's
0: changed. I think the way of life is just faster and busier, and you see all the issues in the world. Back in the day, I mean, h- how I say it is, I can stay here for a week. I wouldn't know the gas price went up. I wouldn't right. know any issue in the world. I could just cut hay and make hay for a week and have no issues. Yeah. You go to town, you watch the TV, you're like, wow, that's depressing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. see people, bombs, wars, all that stuff that just brings you down. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem with people. Just I don't have the drive to do it because they see all these depressing things and then they get brought down.
1: And it's just like, ah. So you're like living in an older time here in a way slower it's like it's
0: like the people who go ranch and they just ride their horse all summer long and they check cows and do build fence it's just a different pace and that's the same here we're 20 minutes from town but we're there's people drive by in their fancy cars on sunday drives like that's the most traffic and some log trucks yep it's not a hustle and bustle and you can go weeks without seeing people if you want
1: I think that you used to be looked down on more. Like, oh, uh, you know, and kind now, of a backward and now, town. and now
0: people move to the country to get away. They're spending all their money to buy three acres and have a house yeah. with trees around it.
1: And even if they aren't, they're frustrated with the pace of life. Things are yep. too busy, too stressful. You know, their phone is in their face all the time. Exactly. Me included. And th- But you still feel trapped by it. Like, you can't get yeah, away from it. Yeah, you can't get away from it.
0: Here you can get away from it. You can go. Like, people always used to just go out and drive the tractor when they were mad. You can still do that here. That's, <laughs> I've heard that plenty of times. Is If you got in a fight with your wife, you just went out and plowed the field for a couple of days. I'm busy. I'll talk to you later. And now then you're over it. Now you're trapped around so many people all the time that you just yeah. don't get away. And that's one thing I like about it out here is you can just get away. And you cannot hear a sound forever. And you can just work with cows and have fun.
1: How did your great-grandpa... Come to kind of start the family farm here. What's his background? They moved from town, and he actually grew clover seed
0: back in the day. He did. What, a, where was town? Chehalis. Chehalis. Yep. Not too far away, just this and that. And he moved out here where my grandma was five, I think, in 1950. Mm-hmm. And then they had a blizzard. So the farm was here. The one barn was here. Mm -hmm. The shop and the milking parlor he built, but the one barn was here, and then the house was a small Sears box house that was here. Wow. So it's been added on to a few times over the years. Yeah. But um, they moved out here to the farm and started farming, and then they had the blizzard, and then they just kept going from there. He grew. He worked in town. He did this and that, and then he started farming a little more and a little more. And then he just went into it full time. And that's how then my grandma and grandpa bought it. And they started milking cows after he didn't want to, he was ready to retire, step down. They milked cows. And then my dad took over when my grandpa passed away. Yeah. And then I started helping my dad when I came back from college.
1: Was that always your plan?
0: That was always the plan. I didn't know for sure. Maybe I'd get a job, maybe not. Yeah. And then I think when COVID happened and we were here, I was yeah. like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is yeah. it like I'm happy like I'll be here we can make things succeed we can grow and it all work it all works good now
1: your dad pumped about that was that what he wanted
0: I think he's happy about it yeah he yeah. likes the help he likes to have somebody haggling him <laughs> making <laughs> pushing pushing to be better i guess yeah yeah that's our that's our goal now is to not stay the same is to always get better and better and yeah bring it up to turnkey ready all the time i think that's the that's the goal is to always have it look nice and be yeah
1: you argue over those changes sometimes oh though? yeah
0: all the time that <laughs> happens definitely even the little day-to-day things everything family disputes yeah yeah It's family farming you have it to is figure family it out. farming and that's another way you have to be able to work you have to be able to communicate and then get over things fast to be able to make it work yeah Because too many, you hold a grudge, then it just brings it down and tears it apart. And that's another reason so many farms have left this, like, left is because people didn't get along and then the farm just got split up because they couldn't agree or they went broke disagreeing on stuff. Yep. What was that like, losing your grandpa? I was just, I was 14 at the time. It was rough. It was a big change here for sure. Things shifted and that's when I took, i i like realized like ah oh, like time to like take on more responsibility do this and that yeah and then i was like people are always like why are you gonna go to college if you're gonna farm right like yeah. why don't you want you to stay home and work like you already know everything you're gonna do i was like no like the experience would be good and this and that yeah. and then i left went to walla walla that's where i went to college the community college mm-hmm. and went and worked for a guy who managed a feedlot and he so I went from 60 cows to 10,000 cows yeah I was like wow like this is intense yeah but I think I learned a lot of like efficiency things Hmm. and that was and I was like oh I really like I like working and then I like coming home and helping and then I was like okay and I'll like this I'm definitely gonna come home and then COVID happened and I haven't left yet and probably don't plan on it
1: yeah, what's, what's the future for you? And this is, like you're saying, this is what you're going to do?
0: Yep, this is it. The plan, the goal, is I got one year of college left online, mm-hmm. and I want to open a small cheese shop in mm-hmm. the old milking parlor. So that's that's the goal. Awesome. And Have you done any cheese making yet? I did make cheese in college with the guy who managed the mm-hmm. feedlot. He managed the feedlot, and he had a cheese shop that he made, like made cheese. Awesome. So he made six or seven different kinds, flavors all the stuff he sold like I got to see how he sold it to people. So he did re like retail the big um like restaurants and stuff and he Mm. did um like small packages out of the shop. And I think that would be another like value added product for the farm here that could be very beneficial. That's just another thing where if something did happen, like milk prices dropped a little, you could scale up that. And our co op allows it. So Mm. you can go from you can take I did the math, we could take a whole month of production out to make cheese, so if we sold it for twice as much as our milk's worth, right, we'd be making a lot more, yeah, and that would add up over a whole year.
1: The local food movement this is how it, it is and, and it's
0: a thing. you do have to follow what's going on, and that is people like that, they want it, they know where it's coming from, and then you've got to capitalize on it, and I yeah. see that, and I think that's going to be the next step once everything once everything's settled down a little.
1: Thanks for having me here and showing me the farm. This place is gorgeous and it is super quiet out here. Yes. I'm really jealous of this because, I mean, I live on a little piece of land that was my grandparents' dairy farm as well, but it's getting to be a little bit busier neighborhood, you know, up there, like you're talking about in Whatcom County, there's more people, more houses, the city's getting closer all the time. And yeah. Yeah. I miss when our road used to be. That's a like good this. thing about here is it
0: floods. So the amount of <laughs> houses that can actually go in yeah. here are True. very limited and I don't think it'll ever get too huge. It'll, it'll grow a little, but with the lack of water and the lack of dry ground, it's going to stay the same for maybe an eternity. We'll see.
1: That's awesome. Well, thank you again for having me and and being willing to share your story here on the podcast. Yes, thank you. <laughs> This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food.